Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Chris Paul is headed to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he'll go on a multiplayer deal from Oklahoma City. And now the Suns and Robert Sarver in the Western Conference, they become a real factor in this Western Conference race. Devin Booker very much wanted Chris Paul uh, uh, in this trade and, and really pushed the organization. And now Chris Paul is headed uh, in a Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. We're going to get right into it because there's a lot to talk about. Sam, how are you doing? Yo, I'm good. Uh, The Phoenix Suns are a legitimate basketball team. It really feels (laughs) like that today. We got the guy. No major surprises today. Honestly, no major surprises, but uh, we got the guy. And like you said, there's a hell of a lot to talk about. And uh, and we brought on a guest too, who we should introduce now. (laughs) Yes, joining us. Uh, I would call him a All NBA Suns Twitter uh, first team, <laughs> the streaky shooter himself, Streaker. Streaker, how are you doing? Good, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I would have honestly taken second team in honor of Chris Paul, who is who is uh, an All NBA second teamer. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of wish he went that route, but I'll take it. No, it's got to be first team, man. You know it. Uh, but it is. It is. A, it's a day. Look, look. I don't have to pretend that people listening to this podcast don't know what happened today. I think that there's enough out there that you all know that Woj dropped a bomb on us. Chris Paul is now a Phoenix Sun and Abdul Nader, surprisingly. And the trade worked <laughs> out relatively as we thought it would, which is a combination of Ricky Rubio, uh, Kelly Oubre, Jalen LeCue, which I guess was a little bit of a surprise, but we also had, as Sam and I talked about previously on this podcast, we assumed he was gone as soon as the G League was uh, sold and he signed with Clutch. Like, that's that's a, a death knell for him. 
Ty Jerome was also included there. And then it is a 2022 protected pick that is protected over the next two seasons after that. A pick that will probably convey in 2022. But the Suns were able to hold on to the 10th pick this year. A pick in the 2021 draft, which is considered a very good draft by a lot of experts who are, who are much more well-versed in the draft than we are. And even a pick in the 2022 draft could happen. They could still get that if something disastrous happened, like a Devin Booker injury, a Chris Paul injury, something that uh, caused the team to be really bad, which I think is a masterful trade. I want to start just on the big, just we're all Suns fans here. There's three Suns fans on this podcast. Let's cover the big picture. What does, Shreeky, let's start with you. What does Chris Paul coming to the Suns mean to you? It uh, it means legitimacy. You know, that's honestly the first thing I think of. Um, it's not the most exciting thing, but after 10 years of not being close to legitimate, like legitimacy is, is extremely pleasing to my ears. Like the thing I'll, I keep going back to is Chris Paul is um, a legend. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. I know he's 35, but he still is has the cachet to sort of dictate where he goes, even on his monster contract, to an extent. So the fact that he wanted to come to the Suns, um, OKC obviously let him talk to Phoenix uh, and figure out if this, this would be the right fit for him, and he decided, yes, it would, um, and the trade went through. I think that speaks... Uh, volumes about sort of where the team is now relative to even a year ago. Um, and I don't think this would have been possible had they not gotten that invite to the bubble and had they not mm. gone 8-0 in the bubble and added to a little bit to their path towards legitimacy. And now I think they're as uh, close to a playoff lock as they've been in a decade, knock on wood. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just excited for them to win some games, man. That's all I can say. Yeah, my first thought is it would take an injury for them to not make the playoffs. As the roster is currently constructed, there's obviously more that can go down. My first thought is yes. Uh, Sam, what, what did you think when this news first hit? Yeah, so I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. You specifically, Mike, I think should should take a victory lap here because you've been trying to talk Suns fans into this idea for the past month and a half, two months, and it, it kind of got to the point we were joking about it the other day. Got to the point where... We had gone from it wouldn't be a disaster if the Suns got Chris Paul to guys, calm down. It's okay if we don't get Chris Paul. But again, no alarms and no surprises here with this trade today. It was oh. it was a it was a perfect perfect trade for the Suns. I was willing to give up the tenth pick, and I am so glad that they didn't even have to. I am so glad that Cam Johnson was never involved. What it means now, again, just to echo Shrieker's point of legitimacy, there is kind of this toxic mindset that I think seeps into some people's minds where they think you can't go out and acquire a 35-year-old, a 36-year-old player unless you're in that championship or bust mentality. As we've talked about before, what Chris Paul does is he gives you a very good team in the interim, a team that we can debate later on in this episode, but could potentially compete for home court advantage in, in you know, maybe getting to the second round or even further in the playoffs. Um, and that's just in the short term. In the long term, Legitimize, um, legitimizes you in the eyes of basically the entire league, in the eyes of a very strong 2022 
free agent class, which will be when Chris Paul's contract expires and his $40 million come off the books. Um, and most importantly, it just it keeps Devin Booker happy because the Suns have committed to Devin Booker as their number one superstar. It is abundantly clear that this is a player who is ready to win right now. Um, it's Look, it's going to take a leap from DeAndre Ayton in year three. It's going to take a leap from some smaller players, uh, Mikhail Bridges in year three, uh, Cam Johnson in year two. But I think they're ready for this. And, you know, it depends what they do in, in the next couple of weeks. But they have a lot of different options uh, and, and routes that they could take. And they could build a very strong, very deep team here and make a real push. I've, it's it's tough for me to, like, have to preface everything with I know that he's 35 because we all know that he's 35. Like, obviously, he's 35 years old. But also, he was second-team All-NBA. Last season, the Suns just traded for a second-team All-NBA player, arguably a top-10 player, probably closer to top-15 player in the NBA. And they gave up essentially no long-term pieces. And I want to clarify that a little bit. Uh, Kelly Oubre a potential free agent signed for one year. Like there was a chance that he was gone regardless. Ricky Rubio, two more years on his deal, essentially the same as Chris Paul. Obviously Chris Paul is paid a lot more money because he's a lot better at basketball and he brings all of the, sorry to use a cliche here, but the intangible stuff that comes with the leadership of a legend. Somebody that Devin Booker went to Chris Paul's camp when he was in high school. Like this is somebody that he's been looking up to for basically his entire life. So it is a remarkable thing for the Suns to be at this point now. And I think we, I wanted to start with big picture stuff because I think it's important to just take a look at what's happening and what brought us here. And I want to single out uh, three people specifically. First of all, James Jones did a great job with this trade. We can talk about who won it and stuff like that later. Uh, but regardless, he put the Suns in position that a player like Chris Paul Maybe he didn't beg for it, but he was willing to play for the Phoenix Suns, and I think that is a remarkable thing. The second guy is Monty Williams. You don't do any of this without Monty Williams. Shrieker, the last time you were on our podcast, I believe, was the day Igor Kokoshkov was fired. We did an emergency podcast, and you joined us on oh, that. Was a very long oh, time my God. Ago. Wow. That was a while ago. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and to think about that now in the context of where the Suns are right now, Kokoshkov was a good coach, and he's a smart basketball mind. But I very much doubt Chris Paul would be on the Phoenix Suns if Igor Kokoshkov was our coach right now, even if they had done relatively well in the season. You know, Monty Williams is just a very, very well-respected man. But the third guy that I have to mention is Devin Booker. Devin Booker, in the last year, two years really, became a superstar in the majority of basketball fans' minds. They now look at Devin Booker, and there is no question as to whether or not he is good at basketball, like like there was for some people in in the recent past. That nobody will ever forget. I think that Sports Illustrated segment of uh, the the guy who said maybe he's more of a Lou Williams type. I don't think that's a question anymore. Hmm. If Chris Paul says he's a superstar, I think that's probably enough. But it wasn't it. It wasn't everything. Kevin Durant said it. LeBron James said it. You know, Dwayne Wade said it. Kobe Bryant said it. This guy had now become an NBA superstar. And for Suns fans, I think that means a lot. I think that I used to compare it to being a fan of Kanye West. I think Kanye West has fallen off the deep end. <laughs> Where to is a point this going? <laughs> this, it's indefensible. What I mean is 
so many people would sort of fight you about being a fan of Devin Booker, and you had to almost stand up for him to an extent of maybe going a little too far with how much you wanted to defend Devin Booker. I mean, let's and, let's just hope that Booker's game ages a little better than Kanye's game. Yes, I think it will. I think it will. <laughs> yeah. I think it will. I, although he is involved with a quote-unquote Kardashian now, so uh, I don't believe in a curse, but some people do, I guess, and that's their fear. Uh, but the point is, for a guy like him who was universally disrespected outside of Suns fandom, to now become universally respected and draw the interest of a superstar player, which I think you can call Chris Paul, obviously not on the level of somebody like LeBron James or Anthony Davis or whoever you want to mention, but pretty high up there, I think is a remarkable thing. And I think as Suns fans, we should take a moment to just appreciate that because that's the kind of thing that as a fan that you're you're supposed to take a moment to appreciate because we've gotten to the point where that's fun now of course what matters the most is what they do on the court next season and how that goes but I think for a lot of us and maybe Shrieker I'll, I'll throw it to you here I think for a lot of us we're just now this sort of fear of Devin Booker wanting to leave that sort of weight has been lifted off of our shoulders a little bit do you agree with that yeah, totally. And I mean, I don't think either you guys um, nor me sort of bought into those, so those recent rumors flying around. Uh, right. But yeah. I think this definitely helps. <laughs> um, this absolutely helps. And going back to the point about legitimacy, I think the other thing I want to point out is like Chris Paul, Not everyone knows he's one of the greatest point guards of all time, is a legend, uh, on, but on the older side, et cetera. But he's also extremely well regarded by his peers. He is the president yeah. of the NBA Players Association. And that means something here that he uh, was okay with at the very least, or at best wanted to come join uh, Robert Sarver's Phoenix Suns team. I'm not (laughs) saying it's because of Sarver, it's actually despite Sarver, Sarver. Um, Mm -hmm. but it just goes to speak to sort of where the franchise is today compared to a couple years ago. And I think Booker obviously deserves a ton of credit for helping them do that by becoming... um, the star that he uh, is today that, that Chris Paul wants to play with. Um, but yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm excited to see uh, him on the court next year. You know, Sam- as, as long as we're in an appreciative mood, I think this is as good a time as any to bring this up, to go back to what you were speaking about a second ago, Mike, uh, when we talk about Devin Booker becoming a universal superstar in the eyes of so many, I think we can both admit, all of us, with the conversations we've had, that the online Twitter battles over the years, um, what changes people's minds is winning. And yes, the Suns won a lot Mm -hmm. of games the past year um, because of Monty Williams, and they won a lot of games because of James Jones. But, you know, above all, maybe not above all, but we have to pay some respects now to Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre because what those two did over the past 18 months was instrumental in changing the Suns' culture um, in in making them a respectable basketball team for the first time in six or seven years. And I think ultimately that is what transitioned Devin Booker, um, the narrative about him, into finally becoming firmly a superstar player in the eyes of the national media because we saw the way that Rubio was able to take so much off of Booker's shoulders uh, when the two of them shared the court. And I have no doubt uh, in my mind that Chris Paul will be able to kind of take on the same role and even more. But again, like those two guys, nothing but positive things to say about both of them. I don't know if Rubio, I don't know if either of them are going to really survive that long in in OKC or if the plan is to flip them pretty quickly, but uh, wishing them all the best uh, either way. Yeah, 
I think Kelly Oubre could have an interesting career in OKC if they're willing to keep him. I do hope that Ricky Rubio finds a home on a better team because I think what he's proven on the Suns is that he significantly significantly contributes to winning if, if you'd like him to. It's a fascinating thing with those two guys because there's so many highs for Kelly Oubre. You know, you can think of the dunk on Paul George. You can think of the three against Portland where he blew kisses to the crowd in the Rose Garden. You could think of all of these dunks you know, the famous one on Paul Millsap where he passed up a wide open three just to dunk on him in the lane or dunking on Rudy Gobert. All these moments just I just thought of just came to the top of my mind just thinking about Kelly Oubre. Whereas Ricky Rubio, there are no specific moments I think that come to mind. There are maybe a few, but nothing like the Kelly Oubre experience. But in a way, I think that's what caused Kelly Oubre maybe to be a li- little slightly overrated with what he does. And on the on the other side of that... We're supposed to be appreciating him. Look, right I am. Now, I am. I just... Okay. And I want to just... Here's the thing. I want to do it for Ricky Rubio first, I guess is a good way to put it. Because sure. on, the flip, on the flip side of that, I think that's also what made Ricky Rubio become underrated to a lot of fans. Because maybe he wasn't all that exciting compared to a guy... Uh, like Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre is almost like a sports car that you take out on the weekends only, whereas Ricky Rubio is like your dependable car that you drive to work every day and it never breaks down. You know, mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> this episode's already full of analogies. Uh, Tied your own you know, scooter that you have to ride when both the other yeah, cars are it, broken down. One of the wheels is broken, <laughs> but you still have to race actual cars for some reason. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I just want to point out, Ricky Rubio, really, really underrated, and I think that... As far as like the entirety of his career, I think that Phoenix is tough because here's the thing. If it's, if it's not Chris Paul, if it's anyone other than Chris Paul or anyone other than somebody at Chris Paul's level, the Suns did Ricky Rubio dirty. They signed him to a contract to a team that he wanted to play on. They made him an integral part of the team and then they traded him the next offseason. That's not that, you know, that's kind of, that's not great as far as, uh, you know, reputation with players, but the players know you got a chance to, to trade for Chris Paul. You trade for Chris Paul. And I just hope he ends up somewhere really good to showcase what he's good at. Kelly Oubre, on the other hand, I don't want to insult him. I think he was excellent. I think he really was fun for this team. I don't think in any way he was the type of player that holds you back from making a trade like this, even though some people maybe had thought that initially. Maybe their feelings have changed a little bit. But in general, I appreciate both of those guys. Kelly Oubre made it fun for a while. Ricky Rubio made us good for a while, like a lot better than we were. And I'll miss both of those players. And, you know, I appreciate everything they did here. Uh, Shrieker, for you, what, what what comes to mind when you think about those two guys leaving? Yeah, I mean, I've, you said a lot of it. I, I love watching both of those dudes uh, last year. But... As you were saying, I think Rubio just gave the team the stability it needed at a position that they desperately craved it. The year before Rubio arrived, uh, there was basically no point guard. We went from like Isaiah Cannon for half a season to mm. uh, the first few looks at point book uh, to then seeing, wow, Ricky Rubio, this is what a point guard looks like. This is <laughs> what a wow. legitimate... Um, starting point guard next to Devin Booker does to a team like this. And uh, mm-hmm. it was great. That's exactly what you wanted um, a year ago. Uh, meanwhile, Kelly Oubre, I think, like you were saying, he was insanely likable, like instant fan favorite the day he arrived um, and continues to be so the day he leaves. Uh, 
and I think he'll be a good player. But like you were saying, I do. I also agree with you that he was probably a little bit overrated by Suns fans because of all the off-court stuff and how great yeah, he was for, for the for culture. For good reasons, I think. Yeah, it's totally understandable. okay reasons to overrate a guy. Especially for a team that has had no culture for many years. Right. Um, or a bad one, in fact. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I totally understand it. But I think Rubio gave them what they needed, uh, very much so for a year. And now, not only do you get the stability with someone like Chris Paul, but you also get the higher ceiling. Uh, you get the star power, you get everything Rubio does well, uh, Chris Paul does better. And that's no fault mm-hmm. to Rubio. It's, we're comparing that's, him to yeah. you know one of the greatest point guards of all time, uh, even at 35. And I think you, have, you do that every single day, especially when his two years on his contract sort of lines up um, with the Suns wanting to compete at that level for the next two years and then uh, figure out what the next great Suns team is going to be after that contract is up. So love both those dudes, but uh, this was a trade I was all in for. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great point, Stryker, when you say that just everything Ricky Rubio does, Chris Paul does better. And, and I want to get into that. I, I really want to dive into that a little bit more um, in just a second. Before I do, uh, can we just talk about, so is Valley Boys dead? officially is that is that a dead phrase yeah. now can we still say it i guess it it's the valley now it? i guess it's the valley now you know i, I feel like kelly said at one point like once a valley boy always a valley boy or did i did i make that up might that, have made that up maybe that was when tyler johnson was traded traded that seems <laughs> yeah, like some, some something like that well kelly will always always be a valley boy in my mind uh streaker i know you said that we should just be the fellas now i don't know if that was a serious <laughs> oh, yeah, suggestion right. <laughs> i kind of like it i like it too um, it's it's half serious <laughs> it was half serious um yeah it just it makes sense it, you know the, the fellas thing started in the bubble when we started blowing up books <laughs> old tweets about applebee's and hooters and and like booker's saying <laughs> I like the accent there on applebee's <laughs> <laughs> Um, and like Booker recently said, uh, now that Chris Paul, 35 year old Chris Paul's on the team, Applebee's with pops yep. and Hooters with the fellas, man. It's Let's true. do it. <laughs> it's true. My brother sent me a, my brother immediately messaged me after the trade went, rent down. He said, well, we got to get rid of Valley boys. He sent me a list of suggestions. Uh, he said, desert dudes, gorilla guys, <laughs> sun squad, G unit. And he said, you might need the rights for that. Why are uh, they all alliteration? <laughs> I don't know. CP three and the fantastic four. <laughs> uh, I kind of like that one. Yeah, triple digit temperature gang. I, I don't know. And then book and friends. So those are some options there. If Suns fans have any other ideas, I mean, we don't need anything. I think the fellas is pretty good too. I mean, it's a great shout out. I, and the fact that Devin Booker was somehow forced to mention it by you, Streaker, I think, <laughs> basically, uh, was actually really genuinely funny. Yeah, I mean, to- someone sent me that clip uh, of him saying it or or sort of responding to it. While he was yeah. streaming on Twitch, and it, uh, yeah, me and my day. Uh, that was about a week or two ago. Um, <laughs> and also just funny. to hear it in his voice and his like slow, you know, twang. Like, I, it was beautiful. It was just how I imagined it. <laughs> does Devin Booker have a twang? He kind of does, you know. It's a little Isn't bit. He, yeah. he, he Isn't has he a from slight. Michigan? I think he like spent some time Midwest. in Missouri, though. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. You're right. And I, I feel like, like really? I can kind of sense it every now and then. Yeah. Well, Michigan I like the fellas. School, I think, I think I, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with the fellas. I know once I saw. I don't remember who did this, but someone photoshopped uh, the good fellas poster. Who did? Who that was unfortunately me. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> well, it was it was uh, fantastic. It was it was. 
top tier. So uh, I think I'm probably going to stick with that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Chris Paul. <laughs> wait, wait, and, wait. There's two well, other okay. Suns players that are gone now. Oh, all right, and look, yeah, I sure. know, I know, but we should just mention them. Uh, Jalen LeCue and Ty Jerome. We already call Ty Jerome a broken down scooter, so you got to do that. You got to do better than that. <laughs> yeah, that's our tribute to Ty Jerome. <laughs> Look, Ty Jerome is Ty Jerome. He had a rough rookie year. Um, I think it went probably in his mind as bad as it probably could have. He lost all of his minutes after he was given a chance. He injured himself in training camp, and it took him a while to get back. And he just looked a step slower than everyone. I still think he's a smart player. I think he's big, you know, for the point guard position. And if he can just get a little more, a little faster, a little more athletic, get a little stronger, I think he might have a chance. But at this point, it's not, it's looking grim for him. And I think it's, it's a relatively similar situation uh, to Jalen the Q. But the difference is Jalen the Q has all the athleticism. It's just everything else. It's almost like if, if those two guys could be sort of fused into one player that would be the best possible situation I, I guess there's no real memories for either one of these guys I think Jalen LeCue was relatively exciting as like a smart move and as soon as the G League team was sold like all of the brains that went into signing a guy with relatively no risk is gone and I think that's I guess it's fine like now that you're building a team to try and win as many games as possible try to get as deep in the playoffs as possible I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on either of these guys uh, you know, if not, we could easily move on here. But I guess there's not a lot to talk about with either of them. <laughs> the, uh, you go first. Okay. I was going to just, I only have one thing to say. And I think the best thing I can say about Ty Jerome um, is that rookie point guards often have a very, very tough time. Uh, and we see that even with point guards that become good later on. So I think that is my compliment to Ty Jerome, he's going to have to show a lot more in OKC to even to, for me or anyone else to sort of buy in on him as an NBA point guard. Um, but there's a chance, like I was saying, it's so hard to draw any conclusions from a rookie point guard. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I hope uh, the best for him and same with Jalen LeCue, but um, the Suns had like five fourth string point guards and uh, yeah, they, 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 Still have Elia Kobo, so I think um, <laughs> for now, who knows what who knows what they have in uh, any of those three. Uh, but I, I I like I like that they will at least theoretically get a chance to play in OKC, or I hope they will. Um, yeah, so. especially Jalen. I want to see some Jalen minutes. Yeah, Give who doesn't want, who doesn't love seeing that guy like jump and from like forty feet away? I, everyone wants to see that. So yeah, I hope OKC yeah, gives them some shine. They're like one of the two teams in the NBA right now also that just has such license to be bad. Yeah. Like no one minds if they're going to be just fucking terrible this year. So it would be nice to see some Jalen minutes. Um, I like Ty Jerome. Like you guys said, I think he's a smart player. I think he deserves another shot. Um, ultimately, I mean, I've said Elia Kobo could still be something at this level too. I think of the three of them, if you're going to keep one of them, I'm okay with that being Ellie. But I don't think there was necessarily yeah. a very high chance of, of any of these guys panning out. So it is what it is. Um, thank them for their service. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end the conversation on that. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Phoenix Suns. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. 
Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there's no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through december 31st terms and conditions apply football is back in full swing you might not be at the game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Let's talk a little bit about, I think there's been an interesting conversation. We've gotten to the point now where the Suns have been sort of in the national media's, uh, everyone's talking about the Suns now, and you you have to. Chris Paul is the type of name, I mean, I I had NBA TV on for about an hour today, and I think I saw... 150 State Farm commercials with Chris Paul in them. <laughs> he's that famous. He's that guy. He's a guy that's just, he's a huge name in, in the NBA. And he has We're been. We're going to play on Christmas. Yeah, I think there's an excellent chance. It's, it's a very good chance now. It'd be weird if we didn't, I think, at this point. Uh, but I think that because we're in the, in, in the conversation now, people are saying, who won? this trade they're they're trying to sort of spin it one way or the other and i think that's an interesting conversation for us to have i said it before i think this was a great trade for the phoenix suns uh streaker let's start with you what what was your initial thought on who won this trade if you will uh my initial thought was i won um <laughs> beyond that the suns devin booker i think it, look People want to say which side won. Uh, it's it's okay to admit that sometimes there are win-win trades. There are also sometimes lose-lose trades. Um, yeah. But I think this... Uh, I firmly believe that this trade is was a win-win for both sides. Um, a, a lot of what Sun's Twitter was sort of throwing around as the ideal trade package for Chris Paul, uh, not obviously not giving up Cam Johnson, um, ideally not giving up the 10th pick in this year's draft. We got all those things. And OKC still got a future first that uh, has protections on it. So I, I think it's a win-win. Uh, OKC got a year of Chris Paul, got to be competitive, more competitive than honestly anyone thought, then flipped him for uh, more than they even traded him for, to be honest. Uh, and then 
the Suns now get two years of Chris Paul uh, to play next to Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, and Cam Johnson, and be competitive. And uh, I initial reaction, obviously, as a biased Suns fan, is that I love this for the Suns, but also thinking from OKC side, like this is about as much as I think they could have hoped to get for Chris Paul. I don't think the market for a um, 35-year-old Chris Paul making $40 million mm-hmm. uh, just mm-hmm. logistically to fit into a cap uh, sheet was all that big. So, win-win. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think anyone really won here necessarily either. I mean, I again, I won, just like Streaker said. Uh, I got a buddy who's a Thunder fan. We were talking about it, breaking it down a little bit. He seems happy with this trade. He pointed out to me, uh, Kelly Oubre is just like such a quintessential Sam Presti player in that he's just, I mean, he's a little more refined, right? He's like five years into his career and he can actually kind of score and shoot, but he's just lanky. And like, he's very much a player that is going to fit right in with the OKC scheme. Like other players that they brought in recently, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, Lou Dort, Nerlens Noel, they just kind of like, you know, they're one of those teams. They like guys who they might be a little more raw, but they've got the measurables and then they kind of, you know, you you de- you develop them and, and they figure it out. Um, but from the Suns side, I just want to go back to how potent the Suns' offense is going to be uh, with Chris Paul and how much of an upgrade he is over Ricky Rubio. Now that we're done talking about Ricky Rubio's contributions to the Suns, which were many, um, here's a tweet I pulled from Cody Hunt, um, Cody Hunt's new account, uh, (laughs) who's back on Suns' Twitter. That's a whole other thing that we could get into. But, uh, um, But here's a tweet from Cody Hunt's new second account. He said, here are players last year that shot at least 54% from two-point range, 35% from three-point range, 90% from the free-throw line, and averaged at least five assists per game. And I recognize those might seem like arbitrary cutoffs, but in case you haven't guessed it by now, those two players, Chris Paul uh, and Devin Booker, the only two players in the league to meet those efficiency cutoffs while also averaging five assists per game. And what that says to me is that the Suns now have two very, very, very good triple threat scorers, guys who can create their own shot, Um, whether it be from three-point range, whether it be from the mid-range. Chris Paul is literally, I've said it a million times, the greatest mid-range shooter of his generation, if not one of the best of all time at this point. Um, Very efficient players from the line can get to the rim, either of them, and obviously two fantastic playmakers. And what it does is it sets up a situation where the Suns no longer have to worry about Devin Booker going to the bench uh, and Ricky Rubio-led lineups just not being able to create any offense and and shitting the bed. Now what you have going into this season, yes, you can have these lineups with both Paul and uh, and Booker that are very good, but you can also stagger them at the same time. And you, I think, you know, depending on what level of depth the Suns add over the next couple of weeks, you can create some really interesting uh, lineup combinations of Devin Booker's on the bench. Chris Paul is the one running the show, uh, maybe with some bench players, and you can still have very, very good uh, bench lineups with positive net ratings that way. So it's just a, it's just a boost to the offense all around. And and also, we should talk a little bit about DeAndre Ayton because he's a guy in this scheme who's who's just going to flourish um, under Chris Paul and, and also with Devin Booker um, taking so much of the burden off of him uh, on offense. Uh, let me just say this first. The Suns won this trade because Chris Paul is more valuable to winning than Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio, and draft picks are for nerds. And if they draft a whole bunch of people with those picks, maybe they'll be good, but maybe they won't. And when you have the sure thing, you take the sure thing. Yes, it's a good move for the OKC Thunder 
with what they're trying to do. They, they want to put together a team that's going to lose a lot of games. And fair, they're going to lose a lot of games, I think, in a lot of these scenarios. And if that means they have to flip Ricky Rubio because he's making too big of a difference, then they have to flip Ricky Rubio because he's making too big of a difference. But I think it's a fascinating thing when people talk about Sam Presti. When they talk about getting Chris Paul from the Rockets, they say, wow, he really extracted a lot and he didn't give up anything. They always sort of throw in the idea of trading Russell Westbrook as nothing. That It was a guy who won an MVP. He still traded a player for a player. And yes, he extracted picks. That's what he does. He extracted picks. Houston didn't care about their picks at all. But I don't think that this is the kind of thing where you look at it as a Sam Presti trade, if you will, uh, because he really didn't extract a lot of picks from the Phoenix Suns. It could be a well, good pick. Especially if you compare it to uh, the trade that just happened before we started recording yeah. here with Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee just gave up five picks for Drew Holiday, three picks and, and two swaps. And I wonder if that is making people already kind of reevaluate what Presti got for his haul. And yeah. Robert Covington was just traded for two picks, two first rounders as well. Yeah. And- Robert Covington just returned. That is a great point. Robert yes. Covington just returned more picks than Chris Paul. Uh, yeah. Right. And from a team that won one more game than the Phoenix Suns last year. So equal value as far as picks and here's the here's the other part chris paul is better than drew holiday and robert covington he just is he's better at basketball than them now a lot of this hinges on how healthy he can stay i i admit that and i think everyone admits that but here's the here's the real truth about basketball with the best players in the nba it always hinges on how healthy they can stay regardless of their age so you hope he can stay as healthy as possible and but i think sam mm -hmm. i was just i think there's uh, there might be other factors with uh holiday and covington those deals if if this is the deal that gets Giannis assigned the supermax supermax extension then yeah right. then have, <laughs> yes of course the bucks have to do it um and covington obviously i think is on a ridiculously cheap deal and is exactly what uh the blazers need so i kind of get it from their perspective as well and chris ball's contract is very different from both of those guys uh so there's other factors but at the end of the day the suns gave up one uh, future pick with a lot of protections and two guys that realistically were not part of their future beyond uh, the next two years. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great way to put it. And I also think it, it underscores the control that Chris Paul had in this trade. He essentially uh, treated this like he had the option to choose any team that he wanted to play on. Obviously he didn't, but he found the one that made the most sense. And, that means that if, if if they agreed to trade him where he wanted to trade, it's difficult to extract as much as possible uh, in that scenario. Still, I think, I'm not saying it's a bad move for OKC. It's still a good move. It's just that, you know, in a lot of ways, the team that's going to be better the next season is the team that won. These draft picks may or may not work out, uh, or the one draft pick may or may not work out for them. Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio, who knows what they'll turn into. Maybe he can flip them. Uh, for something more interesting down the line. It's going to be interesting. Sam, you brought up something interesting, and I think this is a good place to take the conversation next. And I think this is the most exciting part. How good can this team be? Mm-hmm. Because they could be pretty good. I, I talked about it. I think people are afraid. People are, like, I saw, <laughs> and I do this to myself. I turned on the jump on YouTube today. Why? Hey, you know, when they're talking about us, I, I feel like I, I almost have to watch it. I feel it's an obligation at this point. And so, some people are afraid to even say it's a playoff team. Like they're they're saying yeah, they maybe are. maybe well, who it's said a playoff that, though? team. Who said that? Did, did they have a mean on there? Uh, a mean no, said no, it no. Doesn't count. 
It was some uh, white guy in a suit. I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't a writer that, that, that I read. Down. I yeah. mean, I, I honestly think if you guys are willing to spend the next five to ten minutes just doing it, let's just go down the line of, of Western Conference playoff teams, teams that yeah. made the playoffs last year. And obviously a lot of stuff has to shake out, guys, but between free agency, between trades, uh, the draft. But I think we can just go down the line and, and kind of establish that the Suns are a playoff team at this point, and we can we can argue how high they can go. I think we should preface this all by saying we don't know what the roster is going to turn into. But I do think that there's quite a bit of flexibility on this roster that they can continue to improve, maybe not as dramatically as a guy like Chris Paul can can, uh, add, you know, talent to the team, but they can improve on the fringes, on the edges, maybe even add a starter at an older age, somebody like Danilo Gallinari, uh, Jake Crowder, something like that. But Sam, do you have the teams teams in front of you? We can just start at the top of the West. I've got got the teams right in front of me. So starting, look... I think you'd be you'd be pretty bold to say that we're going to finish ahead of either LA team. Those are the top two seats. Well, um, I think so there's I'm, a chance that the Clippers implode. I'm prepared uh, to ju- I'm prepared personally just to move on and and start yeah, at number three. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Denver. Denver's uh, they have two big free agents uh, in Jeremy Grant, who declined his player option today, so he is entering unrestricted free agency, um, and they also have Paul Millsap. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is there a chance? I think Denver's mm. better. I'll say it. Yeah. I, I, so I think, especially if Jeremy Grant stays, obviously, um, I think Millsap is likely gone, but who knows? I mean, I think if you give Devin Booker the benefit of the doubt of like, look what he did in the bubble, then you also have to do the same thing right. for Jamal exactly. Murray. I was and just going to say, if, fo- if they get Jamal Murray, if they get a Jamal Murray that is anywhere between regular season Jamal Murray and bubble Jamal Jamal Murray I think they're better okay um Uh, I just want to for the record I'm not giving players the benefit of the doubt uh, of what happened in the bubble as much as maybe (laughs) other people are and that is established on this podcast yeah (laughs) exactly the the situation the circumstances that existed in order for players and teams to uh succeed in that bubble are not replicable going forward and i think that is something that should be considered there's not a coincidence that more and more and more shots dropped than we had really ever seen the offense in the playoffs was it was nuts it was completely insane it was not like anything i had ever seen that's not to say that jamal murray won't improve i i expect an improvement out of him but i think if you're trying to separate the playoff teams into tiers and i think this is first of all Non-Suns fans listening to this would think this is a ridiculous notion entirely, uh, for the record, <laughs> just because we're trying to do this. But I think it's a fair conversation to have regardless. And, hey, I'd, li- I'd rather put my opinion out there on the line than not. And, and non-Suns I would put the fans Suns aren't this- listening to this. So I don't yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, that's a, I don't know. We'll see how, we'll see, uh, how much uh, Streaker's reaches here. Maybe he can get some non-Suns fans when he retweets it. But uh, I think if you're putting the teams into tiers... If you're outside of that very, very, very top tier, which I think we can also include the Golden State Warriors in going forward. I know they're not in the playoff race, Mm -hmm. but we can include them in going forward. And if we're kicking Houston out, which I think at this point we probably can... I mean, they just traded Robert Covington. I mean, if they traded Robert Covington tonight, they have to be pretty sure that that Harden is gone, I think. Yeah, I agree. Maybe we can get P.J. Tucker, by the way. Anyway... um, I think what you have to look at is the Suns are now in that second tier, and that includes the Denver Nuggets. So I think the Denver Nuggets, I agree with Streaker, 
And Sam, I don't know what your opinion is, but I think the Denver Nuggets are probably better. You have to no, assume that could better. be better. But I think I, I there mean, is a scenario a where the Suns can be better. I think there is a scenario where the Suns can be better. Sure. Uh, it, I'll, I'll say this. It wouldn't surprise me if they were. Okay, uh, so, so let's move on from Denver. We're kicking out Houston. We're kicking out OKC. Those are the fourth and fifth seats Wait, from last year. Wait, before we move on to, from OKC, who, is the second, who was the second best player on OKC last year? Who would you guys say? Shea. Do you agree with that, Streaker? Yeah, I'd say Shea, but I'd probably or, say the gap or, between two and three is probably much closer than it was from Chris Paul and whoever two is. I, I mean, let me put it this way. When they lose Gallo, they have like four. I mean, Rubio and Ubre are good players. I'm not saying like it's impossible for them to sneak into the eighth seed or something, but assuming they lose Gallo yeah. and assuming they're still interested in like trading Steven Adams maybe, and they also just traded Schroeder, remember, too. They're not. They don't have the depth. They yeah. just don't. I don't I think. think I don't think they're a playoff Adams. team next year. And I think Shea is going to be. I think he's already good, and he will be very, very good. I think last year there, I think him, Gallo, Schroeder, and Stephen Adams were probably all in the same or similar tier, with Chris Paul yes. being absolutely by far their best player. Perfect. I'm glad you said that. Where would SGA rank on the Suns if he were on the Suns roster right now? That's that's the question I have because when I first look at it, I say fourth, and that's putting him below Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. I could see third. I could and, see. And third. you're putting him above DeAndre Ayton here. There really is no stats that back that up. I just want to say for the record, he's fourth. But swap out DeAndre Ayton for Mikael Bridges <laughs> at third. First of all, no, Suns fans are going to love that. Uh, <laughs> But I legitimately think he would be the fourth best player on the Suns team. And I want to say that. I want to underscore can I, that. Can I ask a question before we sure. get into the stats? Are we counting the 25 game suspension? Uh, no. Because that's part I, of the I'm reason saying, why I think Shakespeare Alexander was better and, last year. And that's fair. I think that's a 100% fair thing to say. But I'm talking more uh, closer. Let's just consider them for what they would be that's going fair. into next season. Yep. And here's the thing I like SGA a lot. But his role was not his role was small on on that Thunder team, and I think he greatly benefited from that. When he is now thrust into the position of essentially being the Devin Booker <laughs> of that team, we are about to see some warts in his game. We are about I to think, see an um, uptick in turnovers. We're about to see a decrease in efficiency. Yeah, I mean, I think in ninety percent of cases, you're right. That is what happens. But also, like. You know, that's exactly what happened to Pascal in Toronto this year, right? And, like, it exposed warts in his game, too, but that was still a really good team. And he's still one of the best players on that team. Absolutely. So it's, it's all possible. My point, all my point is, the OKC Thunder were the fifth seed. And there are people that are saying that... And, and SGA, the second best player on that team, would likely be the fourth best player on the Suns. And people are afraid to say that the Suns are going to make the playoffs? Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Because there are other. That's insane. No, no, no. Because I think OKC is is kind of irrelevant to this conversation. Because if you let Golden State kind of leap back up into things, yeah, it's the next three teams actually, or the next four teams yep. that I'm interested in talking about. So yes. So here's here's where it gets fun. Utah. I think without question they're better than Utah. I I agree, and <laughs> and I know we're preaching to the choir here. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I can't argue Streaker, with that. What do you think? I can't go against everything I've ever said and say anything nice about the Utah Jazz. <laughs> uh, so I will say I, I have to agree with you. They'll probably be better. But real, honestly, though, to be completely honest, I, I would put the Suns right now um, 
in the same tier as them, as Utah and Portland. I'll put it this way. I think if we stood pat, like if we just re-signed Dario and, and Baines and we were like, okay, that's our offseason, you know, then I think we're on par with where Utah is right now. But like knowing that we also have the MLE, it depends what you use it on. But like if you actually convince Gallo to, to sign with you for nine and a half million dollars, that's that makes a hell of a lot more difference than, uh, I don't know, some of the other guys uh, that they could potentially get with that money. So again, it's very conditional on who, who else they bring in. But, and, and who knows uh, what are... the Mavericks do? Uh, they, they're, uh, they're, they're that's, not, they're that's not the done. next team. They're not done making moves. Um, who knows what the Jazz yeah. in the playoffs would have looked like with Bogdanovich healthy, and if he will be healthy next yeah. year. Um, and Portland yeah. just got a pretty sizable improvement in uh, uh, Covington. Yeah, that's going to be interesting when we get to that. Yeah, so, so I, I do want to is... say about the Jazz first before we move on sure. there. Uh, for the record... The Jazz are faced with an interesting proposition, and that is potentially paying a supermax to Rudy Gobert, who is, by all advanced metrics, the best player on their team. Uh, And that is a complicated situation to be in. Now, what they're going to go into this season with is a question about their best player. Do they sign him or not? Now, that will lead into do they trade him or not? And I think that kind of... That kind of thing looming over a franchise could have a negative effect. Now, it could also have a galvanizing effect. So I'm not saying uh, one way or another on this, but I do think that it's going to be an interesting scenario going into this this season, what that team actually does going forward and, and, and what they can do. Because if they do move Rudy Gobert, that would be a fascinating thing. First of all, where does he go? But what do they get in return? I appreciate you calling Gobert their best player. Well, he is. I, yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't being sarcastic. I actually I mean, appreciate it. In the playoffs, me. he wasn't. For the record, I, I'll, I'll be willing to admit that Donovan Mitchell was absolutely insane in the playoffs. But I'm on the record. Hey, I don't buy into the bubble for everything. I'm not. I'm look. If I'm not going to build the Suns based on the bubble, I'm not going to build the rest of the NBA teams in my mind mentally based on the bubble. Uh, Gobert's just his advanced metrics are off the charts, and he's insanely. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. And makes yes. a massive difference towards that team. So I agree. And on the but, topic, but of the also jazz, there is shade there. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I love when shade. You, you can be sort of two pronged in what you say. You can throw shade and be relatively accurate. That's the goal, <laughs> I think, in everything. You're a specialist. You do. That's your that's your entire yeah. Twitter brand. Yeah. Both of you, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> on the topic of the nope. jazz, I, I'm I'm very optimistic that the Suns moving on from Rubio is going to go far better than when the jazz yeah. moved on than when they tried it yeah right. yeah well we'll see um the the mavs i'm not gonna lie like lucas lucas scares me third year luca oh, yeah. he scares me however tim hardaway jr is the third leading scorer like they've got work to do you know because because you were talking Porzingis about is always injured Porzingis is always injured and like tim hardaway jr is the fifth best player on the suns if he were on the suns you know like they've they've got real work to do with that. Uh, I mean, Mike, one of your greatest tweets of all time. <laughs> I still don't understand why people thought that was funny. Uh, for the record, <laughs> Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah, I mean, I, I look. I'm not saying it's not objectively More like, not dude funny. fucking sucks. Just for people <laughs> who didn't see the tweet, so I can complete the joke. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, they they just when they're relying on players like that uh-huh. to give them good consistent minutes i mean i don't know they just have a lot of unproven players in there and and i almost feel weird 
casting judgment on them right now because I feel like, who am I? Like, I'm a fan of the Phoenix Suns, you know? Like, who am I to be casting judgment on anyone else and judging whether or not they have a playoff-worthy rotation? We don't right. even know we have a playoff-worthy rotation. But yeah. I think many of the potential weaknesses that could plague the Suns are the same weaknesses that could plague yeah. uh, the Mavs. I just feel a little bit better about where we are based on the Chris Paul acquisition, and I feel like they have work to do. So I'm putting I'm putting us above them in the preseason power rankings. I th- wow. I think. Really? I, I think. I don't, and I don't think no, it's that crazy. No, I think crazy. you're right. I mean, I th- until we know how, what the roster shapes out, you know? Yeah. It's not crazy. I, I This is why I think I, I had – it's hard to know where how it'll all fall, shape out, but – I have the Suns in the same tier as the Mavs right. and the Jazz and the Blazers now. Um, th- I think it's those four. The the other and like you were saying, it's hard to know what any of these teams are going to look like, or most of them at least. The Mavs aren't done. Um, I mm-hmm. think they're going to be heavily playing in the trade market. Um, I don't know what that market yeah. looks like now. I think Maybe Drew Uber. Holiday was a realistic target for them, and look what he just got from Milwaukee. So yeah, that's a good point. Well. You know, here's what I'll say. Of all these teams that we're talking about, I think there's a chance that the Lakers take it a little easy during this season. And, and what I mean by that is they're not going to bend over backwards to try and get the one seed. Of all the teams that we've talked about so far, Dallas is the only one that I could see just all of a sudden just being the one seed, just absolutely taking off offensively because of a otherworldly season by That's one of the true. best players in the world. That could absolutely happen. There is a lot of ifs in order for that to happen. But that's one where if, you know, three months from now, we're halfway through the season or whatever it's going to be, and Dallas is the one seed, I wouldn't be shocked. Like that's, Yeah, I no, I, I agree with you. I feel like that's one of the teams with the most variance. Like they've just got two tails on the end, and I feel like there's a decent chance that they're the one seed and there's a decent chance that they kind of flame out and they're six or seven or eight. Not that they're a bad team, but they're six or seven or eight when they want to be higher than that. Yeah, um, and then they're dangerous in the playoffs at that there's point. There's just such a wide range of, of possibilities. I um, discovered that them. Knicks fans call Chris Steps mid-steps. Have you guys seen this? That's <laughs> no, something I've I didn't I didn't know that. I think it's a hilarious way to to hate on Chris Steps. Also a funny thing for Knicks fans to do <laughs> as if they're a well-run organization. Who's who's the um, last one? Portland that we got there? Portland. Portland and like, you know, Memphis, if you want to throw them in the conversation too, like is there a chance that they take a leap? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, let's start with Portland. Covington, great acquisition. And it's also, if you're so a Suns good. fan, if you're a Suns fan, you are not allowed to be like, oh, well, DeAndre Ayton, he missed 25 games because of the suspension. We would have been so much better if we had him the entire time. You're not allowed to do that right. and and not also recognize that Portland missed Yusuf Nurkic for how many games? You yeah. know, that's their third best player. So that in mind, yeah. um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you guys think? Yeah, that's exactly what I had in mind. I think like, I thought they were a little overrated going into the Lakers series because so many people were hyping them up off the off the sort of bubble, uh, what they did in the bubble, right. which um, to to barely make it into that eight seed, uh, and obviously they got trounced by the Lakers. Uh, but I think like with the Covington upgrade, with a full season of Nurkic, with a hopefully for them uh, a more healthy CJ McCollum because he was hurt in the playoffs, I could definitely I could see them being significantly higher than eighth honestly wouldn't shock me Damian Lillard is still really fucking good and he could carry them uh pretty significantly up the standings yeah I think that in a lot of ways the way that the Suns place in the standings depends on Chris Paul's health 
that's exactly the same for uh, Portland. But I do think that the the drop off between Damian Lillard and the second best player on that team is massive. In a way that it's not necessarily for the Suns. It's it's Devin Booker and Chris Paul are sort of neck and neck uh, as far as the best player on this team. And I think there's a good chance that Devin Booker solidly takes the lead in that next season as far as being the best player. So in a sense that you're relying on an aging star, the Suns are relying on that maybe a little bit less. And But I do think it's funny that it can be argued that Portland was forced to trade two first round picks for Robert Covington because the Suns traded for Chris Paul. Like that's not, that's not completely out of the question. They're, they're looking at the West now and they're going, it just got a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Now we're willing to, to, to give up on those two first round picks, less draft capital than the Suns gave up. And, yeah. At least it's Paul. starting to like for some of these teams, at least it's starting to kind of look like, like a couple weeks ago, we thought it was just OKC that was going to be down there at the bottom. But now there are actually more teams with with their plans are starting to solidify. Like New Orleans is is going to be, prob. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Eric <laughs> I don't know. Bledsoe on New Orleans, by the way. I, I mean New Orleans. I, I guess it, you factor in a full season of Zion. Bledsoe is a downgrade from from Drew, but he's still not terrible. Like maybe they're stagnant, and and then but then the other team obviously is Houston. Um, is going to drop down. Like San Antonio is an interesting one too. Like are they going to are they going to offload? You know, if there's an arms race, then I could see people making offers for Aldridge and DeRozan finally. Um, I don't know. There's, 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 supposedly. Yeah, there's a more clearly defined tier kind of forming at the bottom of the conference. Um, so at least we know the Suns won't bottom out. I mean, knock on wood, the Suns won't bottom out to like 12 or below uh, in the Western Conference this year. But there's still kind of that group. There's still Portland and Memphis are going to be right there. The Kings still think they can compete whether they can or not. Uh, Minnesota is mm. an interesting one, too. Do you guys think there's any chance, like, again, so much has to happen um, in the next couple of weeks, but does Minnesota, like, surprise everyone this year? Is this the year? No. You I, I can't wait to see the Suns play Minnesota. They're going to score, like, 160 points against that team because they're going to take LaMelo Ball. I really think they are. And maybe maybe I'll regret saying that when we come back on to our uh, – 48 dra- hours from now? Yeah, <laughs> our post-draft podcast that we're recording later, but – uh, that team is going to be terrible defensively. And and here's here's the thing. All of these teams and their rosters could be drastically different uh, by the end of this week. So who knows what it's even going to look like. Maybe some of them bottom out a little bit. Maybe some of them uh, get significantly better. It seems like in the West, they really only get better. Like it's not really something that that you can't count on these teams to get worse other than I mean Houston, I guess that that's that's our saving grace in a way, and also yeah, I think it's interesting with Golden State. Like they're such an unknown. Like they have all the you know their best players are coming back from injury. Draymond Green, like is he even going to be in a Warriors jersey by the end of this week? Are we sure? And and what do they do with that number two overall pick? It's going to be fascinating to see what happens to them too. I do want to talk about before we go. This is our last episode before the draft. We have a little bit more, well, a lot a bit more. Uh, to, to go on as far as what we're really looking for in the draft now, uh, there's a legitimate star uh, tandem to build around. Hopefully DeAndre Ayton gets up there with them as well. Has that changed how you guys felt about the draft going forward? Streaker, what do you think about it? A little bit. Uh, to be honest, I, I 
haven't really thought too much about the draft today since the trade went down. Um, and before today, we didn't know if they would still have the pick. Uh, I But it, think about it a little bit. I think it's changed um, in the sense that I would totally understand if there's more uh if they're looking to trade that more now for in in a separate deal mm-hmm. um because obviously they're in a win now mode they're they're trying to be very competitive next year uh and you can take a devin vassell you can take a some whatever more nba ready rookie uh with that pick but at the end of the day they're still a rookie and almost yeah, or you could get pj tucker yeah, yes. exactly I'm already there. You took my you took my point exactly, and and <laughs> we should. You I, have Frank I mean, Kaminsky, by the way. We have Frank. We can even with this thing. over the cap scenario, you can sign Frank Kaminsky. And then if Houston's having him. a fire sale, you gotta go. You gotta go knocking. You got you gotta call him up. But I want draft capital in some sense. And here's and I, here's know, the move. I'm, I'm, okay, fine. Pitch can it. Can I pitch it? Yes, you can pitch it. I'm, I'm not sure I'm gonna be there with you, but pitch it. It's. Frank Kaminsky in the tenth pick for PJ Tucker in the eighteenth. I'd do it. Yeah, I'd do that. Wouldn't you? Because then you can get yeah. Bane. I'd do that because I'm afraid. I'm going to be honest, guys. Like the Suns have been posting pictures of Aaron Neesmith. Like <laughs> when they talk about the draft on Twitter, <laughs> like they're preparing us for Neesmith. Like Mike prepared all of Suns Twitter for for Chris. I'm Paul, sorry. Sixteenth so. pick, by the way, is what Houston has. Yeah, when they when they no, when I, they're like Lamelo Ball or some of these other really high yeah. mocked players and, and Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> And Aaron what? Neesmith. That was so, a bizarre So it's like, why why take a player like that at 10 when you could just move down to 18? And and the dude's still going to be there. Him or Bain or someone's going to be there. Sadiq Bey, like, you want a wing? You got a wing. Um, I just don't want to completely waste draft capital. I think that's a really bad way to go about this because Chris Paul, 35, about to be 36 years old. Yes, he can still be effective, just the way Steve Nash was when he was the same age and we went to the Western Conference Finals. But if this is going to be the start of Devin Booker's prime, and this is going to be kind of your last opportunity to, to pick even decently highly for a while. You know, maybe even if you plan on being a contender, then you won't even have the 18th pick in the future. It'll be more like, ideally, 23, 24, 25, and, and so forth. Um, you got to have some sort of, you got to give yourself a chance to, to keep it sustaining. And don't repeat the same mistakes of the, the mid-2000s Suns. Okay. Uh, and, you, you know, never piping in fresh talent kind of to, to back up your star players. Can I give one counterpoint to that? Absolutely. I'm all here for it. Chris Paul is not going to play every game this season. The Suns have to have a legitimate backup point guard to back him up. And you can still get that. You can still get that. I mean, there, yeah. you got your mid-level exception. You got your biannual exception. That's three or $4 million. I mean, I'm, you know, you want to yes, go out and sign you're, DJ you're Augustine. Just, I'm all for it. Look, you're describing a market that is just the free agents in one of the worst free agent markets in a long time. So yes, you could get it. But you have to you have to see if there's something out there uh, with that pick to try and fix that hole because that's going to be a hole. You need to have players. You still need a third guard, like we were talking about it before when it was Ricky Rubio. You still need that third guard, and I think that you have to make that tenth pick available now. Is there do- a, is there a universe? You you kind of piqued my interest a little bit there when you said you still need that third guard. Is there a universe where Brooklyn is still trading Dinwiddie for something that's not James exactly? Harden? For something that's not James Harden, not, Does, I haven't looked into it enough. Does it, he need to go in in a Harden package? I think it would. They're probably hold. They're probably going to hold out to keep him in a Harden. Could you package kind of eventually. could you kind of hug yourself in there, like to force a three team trade where you get Dinwiddie and like you give Houston extra if, picks? If Houston's bottoming out, if and when it happened, yeah. 
Yeah, then maybe you would want... And here's, here's the other thing. If you draft a good player with the 10th pick, that's something that you can still move in the middle of the season too if these teams change their mind. But I just don't think that we should be overly attached to that right now because when you have Chris Paul, you should build, you should build the best possible team for right now. If a few injuries happen, a few injuries go the right way, the Suns can get pretty deep in the playoffs and you have to take advantage of that as much as possible. And look... I like DJ Augustine a lot too, but if you're having two 30-plus-year-old point guards as your starting point guards, that's cool. If they both if they both roll their ankles in the same two weeks of the of the season, and we're now starting Elia Kobo again, or, or yeah, I was going to say it's Elia Kobo time. Yeah, then I mean, a as a third to... stringer, Elia Kobo is not bad. You, you know, guys, we're an hour into this, and and we do need to bring up the Suns acquired a second player in a trade today. His name is <laughs> his, his name is Abdul Nader. And I feel like he at least deserves the basic decency of us talking okay. about his game a little bit before we sign off. Either one of you, do you guys know really anything about Abdul Nader before today? No. I looked him up, and I found out he's 6'5 and has a 7'1 wingspan. And I am <laughs> I I'm love that. I mean, he had one him. pretty good game against the Suns this year. I, I did as, remember as, that. As is tradition. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And uh, everyone tends to do that. I, all I knew was that he he shoots threes, and then multiple people reassured me that he was a relatively attractive guy. So the handsomeness of the sun, <laughs> oh, thank God, didn't fall as uh, drastically as one might expect I mean, from trading Ruby. Yeah, I'm going to be Chris honest, Paul's it, pretty good looking. It still yeah, felt I w- it still felt pretty drastic. Oh yeah. Um, Nader <laughs> yeah, Nader true. shot he shot 37 percent overall from deep uh, this year. He shot 43 percent in the corners. Um, I, wow. I'm not going to pretend that I've watched every minute that he's ever played, but from my understanding, this is a guy who, like you said, I, I think maybe at the very beginning of the episode, I don't remember anymore. You said he's not a, he's not a needle mover. Maybe you were replying to someone's tweet when you said this, Mike, he's not a needle mover. Um, but I think he is like a roughly replacement level, like good guy to have in your third string where if someone gets injured and you have to play Nader as the backup for, you know, ideally you don't play him 82 games, but if he has to come into the rotation, play 10, 15 minutes every once in a while, he's not going to fuck your shit up. Like he's not going to lose the game because right. Nader's in, in the game. He's long. He'll play serviceable defense. He'll hit a corner three. Yeah. That's if that's what he gives you, that's enough for me. What, what I did is I messaged our friends in the uncontested and I said, break him down for me. And he, he, they said, he's one of those, oh my God, what is that shot? Oh, okay, it went in, guys. Uh, yeah. str- they also said, strange release, looks awkward on the floor, but shoots at a high clip. Some games he'll cook for 12 quick points, but other games he's a dud. I asked about his defense. They said, serviceable. So, hey, that's not bad. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. It's not bad for the third string. And to kind of bring this back to what we were just talking about right before this, it's not... It's probably realistic to think that uh, I almost called him Ralph Nader. Again, I, my brain keeps calling him Ralph Nader, man. I can't. Dude's got to change his name. Um, I, I I almost I thought that a lot today too. So you're yeah, not right. alone. Abdul Abdul Nader. Sorry, sorry, man. I would hate to compare you to Ralph Nader. Um, <laughs> anyway, jump shot. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's probably likely that he's. Uh, a better NBA player in the 2020-2021 NBA season than uh, Naismith is. Yeah. And so if the Suns are going to draft Aaron Naismith, yeah, fucking just trade the pick. Trade down. Trade back into the draft. Um, yeah. Or sorry, trade uh, trade further back into the first round and take, take him later on or take someone else later on and get a better player for him. I think 
this is what we're talking about. I think when we're expecting a rookie to come in and contribute, it's a lot of a lot of these rookies are not going to be better than the third string guy that they just picked up in the Chris Ball trade. So, if you're looking for contributions next year, I'm all open to trading that pick uh, and and finding someone that can be better than Ralph Nader. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph Nader, Rand Paul, Cory Booker. You yep. know, we've got a strong politician roster here. Um, it sounds like we're just thirsty for the playoffs yeah. is, is my like overall takeaway here. It's like, so I think we're in agreement. This team is somewhere in the vicinity of like the fourth to sixth seed is yeah. what we're shooting for, I think. Maybe yeah. seventh. Um, somewhere around there. And and we just want, we want, we want wins. We want wins yeah. and maybe we'll finally get them. You got to yeah. shoot for, you got to shoot for six or higher, um, especially with the new uh, play in tournament rules. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, Chris Paul is a Phoenix Sun. That's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, if you'd have told me a year ago, I wouldn't believe you. It's fu- It's really crazy. And I hope the people who came around, um, sorry, the people who hadn't come around have given themselves some time to reflect. We talked to them directly to end our episode last week. I'll say to them again this week, just prepare yourselves. It's okay to be excited about this. The Suns are about to win a lot of games. It's about to be really exciting. There are maybe, I don't know, maybe we should have touched on it a little bit, some disaster scenarios. Oh, we got no, way more not to today. talk about. Not we got today. Time. We got but time. not today. Today today is a time for celebration. Um, on to better things. The Suns are going to play on Christmas. Yes. That's not a guarantee, but it's yeah, basically a guarantee. Yeah. Uh, and the Suns are going to make the playoffs. That's not yeah. a guarantee either, but consider it a guarantee. The Suns are going to play in May. Playoffs. Yes, I May, love that. May basketball. I mean, that's Houston probably guaranteed. Hey, last thing I'll say, speaking of disaster scenario, I, I apologize to everyone who has to hear my singing voice. At yes! The end of this I episode. almost forgot about this. You have to make good on a, on a deal. You're a trooper for this, but It's way. happening right now. It's happening already. Thanks, Play us everyone. We'll, we'll be back. We'll be back Wednesday, maybe to talk about the draft, maybe to talk about another trade, but we'll be back really soon. I want to talk to you about the upcoming season. You're under contract with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, but there's some chatter this week that you might get traded possibly to the Phoenix Suns. Now, when you hear these rumors, what goes, what goes through your mind? Man, I'm going to year 16, right? So I done heard about every rumor that you could possibly hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, so, uh, you, you learn to control what you can control. Um, I'm training, getting ready for the season. If something happens, it will. If not, you know, oh the league always constantly changing. Control what you can control. Control what you can control. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.